Hey everybody, welcome to the Land of Random, and I'm your host, Jonathan Rigby, ready to bring you the craziest pieces of the internet straight to your ears. Today we're going to be talking about sustainable eco-solutions that will help us save the turtles, and maybe reduce some thousands of pounds of waste in the garbage dumps. We'll be talking about Pirate Bay. Remember those good old days? But for science papers, it's really interesting. And WeSpam, a really neat website if you want to stay private but want to share stuff with people you don't know. All that and more on today's episode of The Land of Random. First up on today's show, we're going to be talking about some really neat sustainable eco-solutions. Now, I know we want to save the turtles and try and make those garbage dumps a little less smaller, but how can we do that while still using a lot of the same things that we're used to? For example, some stores have moved away from using straws completely, but that leaves out people with disabilities and people who are sensitive to you know, just drinking out of the cup because they have sensitive teeth. And so we need to figure out solutions that work for everyone. Um, one company, well actually there's multiple companies, but Ong Hut Co, a Vietnam-based company, actually makes grass straws. They make grass straws out of a, it's a type of grass called shedge grass. It has a hollow stem, so it's naturally basically a straw already. So what they do is they sell these hollowed, hollow grass cut into straw shape, which is actually really cool. So basically, these are a little different than your normal straw. Uh, you can't just you know stick them on the shelf and let them sit for three months. You have to put them in the fridge, make sure that they're in good shape. So there's obviously a lot more friction than a normal straw. And obviously, for now, since it's they're not very big, they're still way more expensive than, you know, a plastic straw. Like, you know, you can go get like 50, 60, 70 plastic straws at the grocery store for, you know, five, six bucks. But these, these are significantly more expensive. But what they bring to the table is a solution that's sustainable. You could have fields and fields of sedge grass that you're harvesting and replanting and you know making sure the earth is taken care of as you're doing so but it represents a solution that gets rid of the plastic straws it's really neat because we're solving a problem by using something that's sustainable now on the other hand I could see people complaining about you know a grass straw it's like oh you know this is this takes too much time it's not worth the effort but honestly we have to think long term about these kinds of things you think the US goes through millions and millions of plastic straws every year all those straws are used once and thrown in the dump how many years can we do that with hundreds and hundreds of items like the plastic straw before you know there are literally dumps with nothing but straws and plastic cups and all these things. We need to find solutions that we can create at scale 
like a grass straw that's sustainable that we can create at scale hundreds of millions of them but are also economically and environmentally friendly people need to see both sides of the issue in order to make a decision someone at Walmart who only makes 25,000 a year is always going to pick up the plastic straw over you know the more expensive grass straw however you know have enough competition have enough of a market and that grass straw is going to be just as cheap as the plastic straw it just takes a bigger market more information and more of a demand in order for them to succeed so you know, right now with grass straws, we're talking about just small companies, uh, people who don't have, say, the power of a huge brand. So that's why we're going to transition right to our next topic, which is a really neat solution that Coca-Cola has been working on. Basically, it's kind of like it's kind of like a cardboard box, but a recyclable one. So it's like, think of, you know those horrible plastic things that keep getting stuck in the ocean, turtles are getting hurt, seals are getting hurt, just so that way we can more conveniently carry around a six pack of beer or a six pack of Coke. Coke, Coca-Cola has been working on a solution that's like a cardboard, miniature cardboard box that you fit the soda cans into. What this does is make it much more environmentally friendly. It's just kind of like a cardboard box that's recyclable that is not does not make the same kind of impact that, you know, a six pack of rings as it floats about in the ocean hurting animals is going to make. It's really neat. It's called the keel clip. Um, right now they're testing them in Europe and their goal is to remove all those plastic wraps from their cans in the European Union by 2021. That's a really big goal. It'd be really neat to see if they make that goal, but I hope they do. We need to understand what effect that all of our technology and plastics, metals, are making on the environment, and we need to take the time to create sustainable solutions that we can make at scale that solve these problems. We'd love to have, you know, grass straws, these cardboard things that Coke are coming up with, you know, even the banana leaves that people have talked about. We'd love to have these solutions at scale for everyone. But in order to do that, we have to make them just as cheap as the old solution. Or we need to educate people to the point where they see that this is worth the investment of paying an extra, you know, two dollars, three dollars. So, uh, I recommend that you go check out these things. Um, if you want to search online, just look up Keel Clip. It's K E E L C L I P, and you can see more about that solution. Look up Keel Clip Coca-Cola. Uh, they have a video. It's kind of hard to find on YouTube, but you can find like um, 
Just look up Coca-Cola Keel Clip and you should be able to find it if you want to see what it looks like. And then for the grass straws, just type in grass straws and you can actually buy them on Amazon right now. They're not from the same company that I mentioned earlier, but you can go. They have hay straws, they have plastic straws. What am I saying, plastic straws? Sorry, misspeak. They have paper straws, you know. There's more than there's more than just these grass straws out here. There's a lot of companies trying to come up with the next big straw. And that's awesome. It's awesome to see an emerging market coming out of something that has been stagnant for decades. And that's a really cool thing is that as this demand is starting to appear for an alternative to the normal straw, all these new markets are emerging. Now, I just typed into my phone grass straw and I just saw something called the hay straw pop up. I don't even know what that is, but it's really cool to see. So that's your homework for today. Go look up grass straws and the keel clip and let me know what you think. Remember the uh, quote unquote good old days of uh, Pirate Bay, Project Free TV, Kick-Ass Torrents, all those, you know, bootlegger internet video streaming platforms that you used back when you were in high school and college and was broke. But since then, you've started paying for, I guess I'd say, the Holy Trinity now. Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu slash Disney Plus. You know, you pay for those and you can watch most of everything. And then you pay for everything else on Google Play or iTunes. That's kind of the state of uh, movies, uh, you know, with music. It's basically just Spotify or Apple Music. You use the free version or you pay for it. The piracy wars still continue, but they're nothing like, you know, back when Groove Shark was basically a legitimate website for forever. <laughs> oh my goodness. Don't don't get me started on those days. That was a very strange day. Groove Shark being a basically illegal streaming website making money from legitimate advertisers because of a few gray loopholes. Wild times. Wild times. So anyway, where am I going with this? Did you know that uh, piracy is alive and well in the world of scientific research, academic research, and medical research? There's a really big, uh, I guess you could say, moral argument being made for allowing these kind of projects to exist because of how much they can help people who can't afford research. You know, just buying one scientific paper online can set you back $20, $30. Journals cost thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars a year to subscribe to to get access to their papers. A lot of research owned is owned in the world by, you know, a bunch of uh, huge corporations like Elsevier and others. 
there's a lot of frustration in the scientific community with the way things are. So piracy has stepped in to try and, you know, make research more openly accessible. I'm not making a moral argument for it being okay, but I am saying that I understand why it exists and why I personally would look the other way. Um, I read this one article in Vox. Um, it's from July this year. It's by Brian Resnick and Julia Belouz. It's kind of talking about the war between the University of California and Elsevier. They recently dropped their con their subscription to Elsevier, which is the world's largest publisher of academic journals, because they saw it as a watershed movement of revolution against these giant companies that control so much academic research. It's kind of as if, let's say, you know, uh, there were 10,000 farms and they were all behind a giant, huge wall. You know, and then they charged uh, hundreds of dollars to access crops every year. Thousands of dollars. Tens of thousands. If you're, say, someone who's trying to write, trying to eat, I mean you are going to starve pretty quickly. It's the same with a lot of scientific researchers who can't afford to shell out hundreds of dollars a month or 10 or $20 an article. It's just way too expensive. So let me, let me do this quote. Here, um, this is one paragraph from the Vox article. The academic publishing industry explained, imagine your tax dollars have gone to build a new road in your neighborhood. Now imagine that the company overseeing the road work charges workers a fee rather than paying them a salary. The overseers in charge of making sure the road was up to standard also weren't paid. And if you're the taxpayer, want to access the road today, you need to buy a seven-figure annual subscription or pay high fees for one-off trips. We're not talking about roads. This is the state of scientific research and how it's distributed today through academic publishing. Indeed, the industry built to publish and disseminate scientific articles, companies such as Elsevier and Springer Nature, has managed to become incredibly profitable by getting a lot of taxpayer-funded, highly skilled labor for free and affixing a premium price tag to its goods. Academics are not paid for their article contributions to journals. They often have to pay fees to submit articles to journals and to publish. Peer reviewers, the overseers tasked with making sure the science published in the journals are up to standard, typically aren't, peer, aren't paid either. And there's more. Academic institutions have to purchase exorbitant subscriptions priced at hundreds of thousands of dollars each year so they can download and read their own and other scientific works from beyond the paywall. The same goes for members of the public who want to access the science they've funded with their tax dollars. 
a single science a single research paper in science can set you back thirty dollars. Elsevier's journals can cost individually thousands of dollars a year for a subscription. So of course they you know this is really you, you just read this kind of stuff and you get angry. How can these giant companies create this funnel through which they get all this research for free and then they sell it back to the public for exorbitant prices? It's definitely something that's frustrating and it makes you much more sympathetic to the communities that support LibGen and SciHub. Um, there's a lot of really interesting arguments made on both sides of the aisle. I really, I really think you should check it out. Uh, just type in um, the state of academic research or a uh, good place to start is this article I read from. Uh, let me read the name one more time. It's called The War to Free Science by Brian Resnick and Julia Belouz. It's a great article. Check it out. There's also um, Meet the Pirate Queen. It's this uh, Verge article entitled uh, Science's Pirate Queen. Alexandra Elbakayan is plundering the academic publishing establishment. Uh, she's the one behind Sci-Hub. She started back in 2015. There's dozens of articles talking about all the moral, legal ramifications, you know, the greater good, giving research to people for free so that way, you know, new vaccines are made, uh, advances are made in medicine. It gets pretty tangled pretty quickly, and it's way deeper than these, you know, past seven or eight minutes have gone into. I really recommend looking into this topic. It's fascinating. Uh, we're going to leave it there for now. But who knows, we might return. There's this really cool website I discovered the other day called WeSpam.com. It's essentially a way to create a anonymous mini website where you can share links, files, chat with people, but do it anonymously. So like for example, say you're talking to your squad on Call of Duty or Fortnite or Minecraft or you know some online multiplayer game and they wanted to share a website or you know some funny pictures from their cousin Irma's wedding. Wespam.com is a great way for you to hide your identity from people if you don't trust them. Trust is really important in today's society, and we don't honestly know who's behind that avatar on the other screen, or that voice, or that chat. We have to take measures to protect our privacy unless we know absolutely for certain that someone is safe. It's really important. We can't just go out willy-nilly giving our phone numbers or our personal email addresses because you can glean a lot of information from that data, especially if you're a stalker. So I recommend checking out wespam.com. You can create your own 
mini website essentially just name a space and then upload files or chat with people on it and everything disappears nothing is forever it's really quick it's a really cool little site uh, check it out just go to www.wespam.com check it out So we're finishing out today's episode with something really cool that we all missed last week. Honestly, if you're one of those thousand people who managed to get into this, please send me pictures. Please. <laughs> so it's called the Coca-Cola Insiders Club. And what they did was create a very exclusive six-month program where you get a box every month with you know, with drinks that haven't been released yet, swag, and other really cool stuff. It was $50 or $10 a month, and you get a box every month. It takes the subscription box mania that's permeated everything the past, I guess, five or six years or more, and it's flipped it on its head and say, hey, you know, we're Coca-Cola. We want you to try our newest and latest products early so we're going to get you to subscribe to a box and hey by the way only a thousand people can sign up for this coca-cola is doing the whole idea of exclusivity right everyone's sick of subscription boxes but if you're a giant company you're known and loved in most households because company spends billions of dollars a year on marketing and advertising you know who doesn't like a good coca-cola polar bear like let's be honest here no one hates that ad and i imagine there's millions of people who go out and get a six pack of coke who don't even drink coke anymore because of the nostalgia of that they have a lot of brand power so they set up this little subscription box and it just sells out and they say, hey, you know, sign up by email to find out if we do it again. Obviously, I signed up. It's a really cool exclusivity play. And I think a lot of brands need to look into doing something similar. You can get a lot of people to sign up for something if it's cheap. If they get free stuff out of it. And, you know, it's like something no one else has tried. It could, it's exclusive. 200 people only. You need that FOMO. No one wants to miss out on anything. So, this is how you get them. You get those really, really important people in your tribe. The ones who spend a lot of money at your company every year. And you get them to sign up for this. And they're set. They are in. And all the people who missed out. You know, you can say, hey, you know, sign up for my email list to find out more next time. And boom, they all sign up too because they all went in on this too. It's, it's a really cool, cool thing to see. Um, it remains to be seen, obviously, like no one's gotten one yet. The people are going to start getting them in January. I'm really excited to see some unboxes, see what this actually looks like. And see if this actually pays off. Because you figure each of these thousand people are basically going to be brand ambassadors for free. They're going to be posting to social media about this. 
They're going to be telling their friends about the exclusive drinks that they've got before they have hit the shelves. And they'll be sharing it on social media. So you have a thousand people all, you know, reaching out to their 100 to 200 people and exposing them to all these new products. And so it pays off. You have all this sharing and you have this virality just by creating this exclusive little club. I think a lot of brands could do this. It's just a matter of how expensive will it be? And do you have enough power in your tribe to pull off something like this successfully? That's the question. So uh, check it out. Look up the Coca-Cola Insiders Club. And good luck. Hopefully, you know, when you sign up with your email address, they'll add you to the next list. <laughs> I'd love to get into. I'll, I'll be honest. Anyway, check it out. Hope to see you next week. Um, I'm sorry I've missed the last few weeks. That's my fault. But I'm trying to get back to the podcast every week. Uh, if you have any questions, please, please email me at landofrandommedia at gmail.com. Once again, that's landofrandommedia at gmail.com. I'd love to hear what you think. I'd love to hear what you want me to talk about. Alrighty, we'll see you next time. See ya.